This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. The 2024 election cannot come soon enough, but here's the question. In this already bloody yet mostly one-sided Don versus Ron battle royale, will our party be able to make it out of the primary season alive? Let's address the elephant in the room from both sides, Team Trump and Team DeSantis. The show starts now. We are still many months away from the official primary season kickoff, but things between Donald Trump and Ron DeSantis, and well, anybody and everybody even slightly connected to Ron DeSantis, is already in full swing. And when I say swing, I mean swing. Like, Donald Trump has been taking shots at DeSantis for several months now, though DeSantis has only been an official competitor for a couple weeks. And I, like many of you, am a little perplexed at how quickly things escalated, because at one point, the two appeared to be thick as thieves. Ron DeSantis has long supported Trump, and in turn, Trump not only endorsed him twice, but praised his leadership in Florida, a place that Trump and his entire family moved to under the leadership of Ron DeSantis. Watch. He ran an incredible race, remember? That was an incredible race. And then he ran against a Democrat who was supposed to be unbeatable. He got beaten badly, and, and now this is one of the most popular governors. In, in Washington, in the country, Trump has almost the entire media against him. Fake news day after day after day. He's got the entire Democratic Party after him. He's got the lobbyists after him. He's got the bureaucracy after him. And he's got some Republicans who come after him to kneecap him. And so he is under an attack like no president has faced. And he is standing tall for us. He is working hard. So the last thing I want to do is go out there and lob hand grenades at the president. I think we need to support the president, understand what he's up against, and understand he's facing opposition unlike any other president we've seen. Thank you very much. We're with the governor of Florida, Ron DeSantis, who's done a, uh, a spectacular job in Florida. Uh, enjoys very high popularity, and that's for a reason. The reason is he's doing a good job. And I think that Donald Trump has done a better job appointing judges to both the U.S. Supreme Court and the Appeals Court than any other president in my lifetime, including one of my heroes, Ronald Reagan. So God bless Donald Trump for doing that. Ron DeSantis is another one. He works so hard. He's been another great warrior. And he's, by the way, he ran. I endorsed him. His numbers went through the roof. As you just saw, this used to be a relationship of mutual respect. Trump no doubt put DeSantis on the map. His endorsement in 2018 effectively made DeSantis governor. That's indisputable. Ron in many ways emulated mega policies in Trump himself, and it was all fine and dandy until the students started becoming the master. Then all hell broke loose, and Trump has been on a tear ever since, going after not only Ron, but anyone who even slightly appears to defend Ron. But you have to remember, Ron was a disciple of Paul Ryan, who is a rhino loser. But Ryan, Paul Ryan's a big reason that Mitt Romney, I'm not a big fan of Mitt Romney, lost his election. And to be honest with you, Ron reminds me a lot of 
Mitt Romney. But when I heard uh, DeSantis go out and say, uh, and, and talk about eight years, we need eight years. You don't need eight years, you need six months. We can turn this thing around so quickly. If it takes eight years to turn this around, then uh, you don't want him. You don't want him as your president. You ought to go to the third, fourth, fifth, or sixth guys, but they're usually polling at about 1%. You know, I, I really go after the one who's second, and I think the one who's second is going down so much and so rapidly that I don't think he's going to be second that much longer. I think he's going to be third or fourth. He had a very bad day today. He got very angry at the press. You're not allowed to get angry at the press. It's like you don't change your name in the middle of an uh, election. Change his name in the middle of the election. You don't do that. You do it before or after, but ideally you don't do it at all. I liked it before anyway. I liked his name better before. So that has left some of us diehard Trump supporters with heartburn and myself included. When Trump went after Kaylee McEnany, that was a tipping point for a lot of folks. She didn't deserve that. No one does. Both of these men are great men, strong America first warriors, steadfast conservatives and true leaders. And we are lucky to have them. They do need to battle it out, but my God, it would be nice if Trump spent less time attacking Ron DeSantis and aimed the cannons at, I don't know, Joe Biden? Both men must earn the nomination. I don't want to hear this loyalty thing. Enough with that. I'm loyal to God first and then my country. Donald Trump was, yes, the greatest president of my lifetime, but that doesn't mean he's my North Star, my Messiah, my God. And while I'm rooting for them both, I will not be told that I must be beholden to one or the other due to some BS. I've never sold my soul to Mega, and I'm going to give it to you straight always. The goal is to get Joe and Kamala out of that White House and keep Gavin Newsom the hell away, too. If I think DeSantis has a better shot at making that happen, I'm going to tell you that because I've always been an open book with you guys, including back in 2015 and 2016 when I was ridiculed endlessly for supporting Donald J. Trump by some of the same people who are now riding those Trump coattails like a magic frickin' carpet for a grift and some social media attention. I don't do that. Never have, never will. If some of you don't like my honesty, that's fine, but you'll never hear me parroting something to be popular with anyone, left, right, Trump, or center. And this show will serve as a platform for both teams to convince you, the voters, which candidate you should choose. And we are starting that off next with Trump's senior advisor, Jason Miller. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust, or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com system. Let's see, there it is, Trump at 71, Rhonda Sanctimonious at 10%. Mike Pence at seven. Oh, Mike's doing better than I thought. It all started with the nickname, the Sanctimonious, November 2022, just before the midterm elections. And ever since, he has made it very clear he's going to be Trump and he's going to go for the jugular. He is way ahead in the polls. Does that mean this scorched earth, take no prisoners approach is working? Joining me now with his unapologetic take as senior advisor to Donald J. Trump, Jason Miller. Jason, it is great to have you. Tommy, thanks for having me. All right, I'm going to jump into it again. <laughs> um, I want to discuss 
the likelihood that Donald Trump could win a general election, given everything that's been thrown at him, fair or unfair. We know he won in 2016. We know that regardless of what you think of the election, he did lose in 2020. Some of his endorsements uh, did not pan out in 2022. So what I need to know and what a lot of other conservatives who want to get back in that White House need to know is how does Donald Trump plan to win in 2024 if he wasn't able to do it in 2020? Well, Tommy, we're seeing it already with the polling coming out showing that President Trump is beating Joe Biden head to head nationally and in these swing states. And again, it's not just one poll or two poll uh, polls that we're seeing. There are a whole host of data points. And in addition, I would also point out the fact when you talk about these states that traditionally go blue in presidential years, Wisconsin, Michigan, Pennsylvania, when President Trump won those states in 2016, that was the first time in a generation that these states had voted for Republican. And a big part of that reason is because President Trump has remade the Republican Party and has brought the Trump voter into the fold. We also saw his record-setting levels with African-American voters, Hispanic-American voters, Asian-American voters. So President Trump has not only remade the Republican Party, but is bringing new people in to join us in voting for Republican. Look, Tommy. Everybody's seeing what's happening with inflation, the disastrous withdrawal from Afghanistan, the southern border, complete chaos. And they're saying, you know what? We really wish we had President Trump still in the White House because then our paychecks would be going a lot further. I still want to know, though, and I get everything you're saying and I, I don't disagree with you, but that was not just the Trump message, but the Republican message in 2022. Now, given Trump was not on the ticket, obviously, but the country was a disaster in the 2022 midterms, right? Crime, inflation, the Afghanistan withdrawal. I mean, everything fresh on the minds of the American people. And these states like Pennsylvania, you just mentioned, that did vote for Donald Trump in 2016, his endorsement didn't help those candidates win in those swing states. So that's why I think for looking at this from fresh eyes, not 2016 eyes, and I'm not saying this because I don't support Trump, I do, but I just generally want to know what the Trump team has in store to make sure what happened in 2020 and 2022 doesn't happen again, given we are in a bad place, but we have been in, the ba in a bad place since Joe Biden was sworn into office. Yeah, a couple of things here. First of all, with regard to President Trump's endorsements, we've seen the numbers. The vast majority of the people he endorses do, in fact, win. Uh, and if it, it's a bit apples and oranges, I think, on a 2022 and off year because President Trump himself is not on the ballot. In fact, even Ron DeSantis was campaigning for candidates in Arizona and Pennsylvania and other states, the candidates who did not win. And so it's not as though Ron DeSantis' endorsement was the magical cure-all as well. But when we look ahead to what President Trump Trump is already laying out for 2024 with his Agenda 47, he actually knows what he wants to do on day one. He doesn't need the six months or the one year, the two years, or even eight years of trying to ramp up to do it. When we talk about reversing inflation, he can do it day one. We talk about securing our southern border, he can do it on day one. When we talk about restoring America's standing in the world, he can do it on day one. This is a critical distinction. I think it's part of the reason why voters are saying, hey, we made a mistake before, we got to get Trump back in the White House. And I have full confidence that Donald Trump could turn this country around. I believe that wholeheartedly. There is no doubt in my mind. The concern comes is, can he get there? Can he win a general election, given that there is a good portion of this country that hears the name Donald Trump and they have a gag reflex? That's not me, but that's a lot of Americans. And we have to be honest about that. But moving forward, no, go ahead. 
Yeah, we do, but, but tell me real quick, I think we also have to be honest about the fact of a lot of people feel that they were sold a false bill of goods with Joe Biden, and they see him bumbling and fumbling, and it's really sad now that we see him not only crashing with regard to his policies, but crashing whether he's riding on a bicycle or walking down a ramp. And I think a lot of people are having buyer's remorse, and a lot of the folks we're seeing in the polling that maybe were with Trump in 2016 or with Biden in 2020, I believe they're going to be back with President Trump in 24 because he was able to deliver for the working men and women of this country. And so that's why we're seeing all these polls showing that President Trump is leading Joe Biden. And again, not just right of center polls, we're talking ABC, Washington Post, mainstream media polls where President Trump is beating Joe Biden and beating him pretty good. I mean, there's no doubt that Joe Biden is a horrific candidate and Kamala Harris maybe even worse. I want to go now to the attacks on Ron DeSantis. There's nothing wrong with having a competitive primary. They're the number one and the number two. Obviously, they're going to have to go at each other. We know that that's Donald Trump's style. But why is Donald Trump seemingly only going after Ron DeSantis? None of the others in the race has he really gone after at all. And he seems to be spending more of his time going after Ron DeSantis than he is even going after Joe Biden and Democrats. Is there a reason for that? And do you think that that's going to be an effective strategy with Republican voters and with the general public? Well, it seems to be effective so far. I mean, more polling out today showing that President Trump has a two-to-one lead over Ron DeSantis. And ever since DeSantis launched, usually that's the point where your campaign takes off and you get all this momentum. DeSantis's numbers actually seem to be going down. And so I think the gap between President Trump and Ron DeSantis is growing. So whatever President Trump is doing, he's doing it right. And he even laid this out in his town hall with Sean Hannity, where he said, that's normally what you do when you're in the first place. You knock the person who's in second place to try to draw some distinction and show that there are differences. And quite frankly, as we talk about the state of Iowa, we look at the way that Ron DeSantis want to get rid of the RFS and supporting ethanol, the way he doesn't support our farmers. You also take a look at Ron DeSantis's support for the 23% fair tax. There are a number of distinctions between the two candidates, and President Trump is definitely bringing those to the forefront, and it's working. Well, I like the policy distinctions. I, I wish that that would be the way that this primary would go, because I do think when you look at the two men and their agendas, I think that they would be very similar. Uh, we know that Donald Trump used to be a fan of Ron DeSantis, and Ron DeSantis, to my knowledge, is still a fan of Donald Trump's policies. But I want to go now to one of the biggest criticisms that Donald Trump has made and other Trump supporters have made of Ron DeSantis, and that is that he is a rhino, a Republican in name only. So, Jason, you got to tell me this, because I'm looking at it as somebody who likes both men, and I really just don't see in what way Ron DeSantis is a rhino. So you got to break that down for me. you got to educate me on why he would fit that label. Well, you take a look at the number of the folks who are supporting Ron DeSantis, whether you talk about Ken Griffin or some of these other big donors, or Paul Ryan or Jeb Bush or Karl Rove. And I think it really does raise questions. What will DeSantis's ability be to stand up against the swamp? We already saw with President Trump that he was, had no problem fighting the swamp, fighting the deep state, giving it back to him just as good as they tried to give it to him. And in fact, we still see the deep state continuing to come after him today. There, I think there are a lot of questions, especially when you look at the fact that DeSantis was pretty unaccomplished when he was on Capitol Hill before and uh, didn't really see any 
progress with him taking on the deep state or taking on the powers that be in Washington, that he will be taken over by these forces who are endorsing him. Again, the, the Jeb Bushes, the Paul Ryans, the Karl Roves, people of that nature, and a lot of folks who, quite frankly, are frustrated by what they're seeing about this culture in Washington. That's why they're looking at President Trump. They want someone who can actually stand up and give it to him, whether it's in D.C., whether it's Wall Street. I think President Trump could do that. I'm skeptical that Ron DeSantis could. So, Jason, in all fairness, I, ha I have to pose this to you, because if we're talking about some of the people who support DeSantis and the fact that he does indeed need donors, he's not a billionaire like Donald Trump, like he can't self-fund. I don't think that that's, you know, an L in his column. A lot of people can't self-fund. Well, they need uh, donors. Pres pres uh, President Trump's not, but President Trump's not self-funding. We're raising a lot of money from right. working class folks all around the country. So President Trump's not self-funding this. So just to, just to yeah, be clear. Not, not, not uh, entirely so self-funding, uh, but Donald Trump obviously has more in the war chest starting out in 2015 than somebody like a Ron DeSantis, who is a governor and other than that, you know, just an average citizen. But I want to go to this because you brought up the fact that we need to rid the swamp, drain the swamp, get rid of the deep state. And I agree with you wholeheartedly. But I have to ask this when we're talking about surrounding yourself with maybe not the best people. Donald Trump is not completely clean in that. You saw the Boltons of the world, right? You saw the Fauci's of the world. I mean, a lot of the people that he put close to him not only betrayed him, but betrayed our country. So when we're looking at surrounding yourself with maybe not the best people, you know, Donald Trump doesn't exactly have a squeaky clean record when it comes to that either, does he, Jason? Um, there were definitely some duds from the first administration, and quite frankly, President Trump has admitted that himself. He said that now he knows which folks in Washington or which people who are part of that administration would be successful to go and put them in a position to work for him once again. So there's no ramp-up period. He's ready to go with the people who delivered, who are solid America-first people who believe in this country and want to fight the deep state and the swamp. He's ready to go right now. There's no ramp-up period. He doesn't have to go and, and uh, put something out on, on LinkedIn or say, hey guys, please send me your resume. He has a team ready to go now. And we talk about those important executive orders, whether it's the southern border, or when we talk about getting inflation turned around by getting energy exploration going, we need someone who knows how to do that right now. We can't wait six months or a year, or two years, or, or even eight years. Americans want results right now. That's what I think President Trump can deliver. Last question for you, because this is going to be on top of mind for a lot of conservatives, myself included. I never faulted Donald Trump for lauding the Operation Warp Speed, the vaccine. Um, I understand that he took that as an accomplishment in his column, especially then. I mean, the country was looking for answers. They were looking for something to end COVID. But since then, uh, it doesn't appear that Donald Trump has been willing to criticize the vaccine uh, when we know that it's not only, you know, doesn't prevent infection or spread, but it's actually caused issues for people that is now being a little bit more reported. So how does Donald Trump plan to address that for a lot of Americans that still have a bad taste in their mouth when it comes to that COVID vaccine? Well, President Trump was very clear on the front end that he opposed any aspect of mandates. I do think what President Trump did helped to save millions of lives. And he left a lot of this up to the states as far as their COVID policies. And when we talk about the vaccine, I mean, look, Ron DeSantis literally received the very first shipment of vaccines and personally oversaw 
the administration, the administering of the vaccines to tens of thousands of people. So I think that's why people call him Ron DeSanctimonious, because to go and attack President Trump on that, when he actually was the one who was all about uh, the vaccine, going to the White House, showing up, being a part of Operation Warp Speed until he wasn't, I think that's rather hypocritical. I think people can see through that. You know, K-File actually came out with a study a couple days ago saying that President Trump actually first criticized uh, Anthony Fauci well before Governor DeSantis did. In fact, Ron DeSantis stood up there and said, we're going to go and model our closing beaches and closing bars much in a similar way that California did. And so I think, Tommy, when we talk about who's ready to step up and lead, uh, let's let's put aside, aside the nonsense for a moment, because that's what we're hearing from the DeSantis camp. But President Trump's ready to lead. And quite, I mean, quite frankly, DeSantis is getting slapped around by Disney and by Mickey Mouse. Uh, so I don't think he's in a position to lead the country. Well, you make fair points. It's going to be a contentious primary. I just hope that when it's over, whether it's Donald Trump or Ron DeSantis, I hope that we can put a tourniquet on this party and we can come together as conservative America first mega Republicans and we can vote for that person that's going to replace Joe Biden and Kamala Harris in that White House. I appreciate your time, Jason, and I hope to have you back soon. Thanks, Tommy. All right, you've heard from Team Trump, and next you'll hear from Team DeSantis when Communications Director at Never Back Down's Aaron Perini joins me next. It's so petty. I think it's so juvenile. I don't think that's what voters want. And honestly, I think that, that his conduct, uh, w which he's been doing for years now, uh, I think that's one of the reasons he's not in the White House now, because I think he alienated too many voters uh, for things that really don't matter. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis has only been an announced candidate for a couple of weeks, but has already amassed an impressive war chest of donations and has wasted no time taking his campaign to the voters in early primary states. But there is just one problem for Ron. Well, two problems. He is still polling well below his first problem, Donald J. Trump. Can he overcome it? Joining me now with her take is communications director of Never Back Down, Aaron Perini. Aaron, it's great to have you. Thanks, Tommy. It's great to be with you. So right out the gate, my first question for you is this. You used to be on Team Trump. You've since moved over to Team DeSantis. Why make the move? I did work for the, uh, President Trump on his previous re-election campaign, and this time was offered the opportunity to come over and join the Never Back Down Super PAC and have the opportunity to work for Governor DeSantis in this election. I think that the future of the Republican Party and the grassroots movement can have a leader like Ron DeSantis who can win elections, step up for tough fights, and we don't need to rehash 2020 again. We've already seen the outcome of that election. We know what that looks like. If Republicans want to win the White House, the Senate, and the House, be able to win state legislative races and governor's mansions, you need somebody strong at the top of the ticket who can take on Joe Biden. You're going to get that with Ron DeSantis. You're not going to get that with Donald Trump. If Republicans want to win, we got to put a fresh face forward. I completely believe that's Governor Ron DeSantis. So one of the, the biggest issues, and I think probably the only issue outside of Trump himself for Ron DeSantis, are those poll numbers. So we know every time something legally happens to Donald Trump, his poll numbers go through the roof, and he is still leading Ron DeSantis by quite a wide margin. Now, I'm somebody that ever since the 2016 election, when I saw Hillary polling at 90% the morning of the election, I'm not somebody who looks at poll numbers and takes them as gospel. But from your perspective, 
Is Ron DeSantis going to be able to overcome the lead that Donald Trump currently has, and especially if more indictments come his way and that further helps Donald Trump, can Ron DeSantis still be a contender and then a nominee, a winner? I absolutely believe that the polling at this point, when you look at a national head to head, this is not a national election. This is one state by state. So if you look at Iowa, we've seen Governor DeSantis, now that he is an announced candidate, be able to close the polling gap there. You're going to continue to see that. And a big factor of that is the conversation that Never Back Down is having with voters at their doors. We have a ground game that is robust and aggressive. We're already knocking doors in New Hampshire, Nevada, South Carolina, and Iowa. We have over 100,000 doors knocked. And now you're seeing Governor DeSantis, who up until he announced, was really considered a hypothetical to voters. So now he's actually in the race. We're having conversations at doors, and he's doing things that you aren't seeing any other candidate do. He's out there doing events, talking to voters. He's unafraid and unapologetic in his approach for the fact that good conservative policy can lead to political success. We saw that in Florida. You're going to see him be able to do that as a candidate now. And I'll say, I'll tell you, $8.2 million raised by the governor's campaign in that first 24 hours, that shows there is a real strong enthusiasm behind him. This is the kind of stuff that's going to make the difference in the long run when it comes to not only closing the polling gap, but beating the former president. So there is a discussion that goes on. <laughs> within the conservative community. I'm sure that you've been the subject of it. I know that I certainly have because I have said that I think Ron DeSantis has a better shot at winning a general election at this point than Donald Trump. And then all of a sudden, the swarms come, right? The the mega voters, and, and I consider myself mega, all right? I was firmly Donald Trump 2016, 2020. I mean, I love Donald Trump. I love his policies. I wish he was my president. But I'm looking at this, I believe, like you are, very objectively and saying, who can win a national election? Who can bring us the W? And I happen to feel like Ron DeSantis has a better shot. But then we are called disloyal. We are called traitors. We are called rhino, establishment, globalist. I mean, you pick a name. We are called that for simply acknowledging Ron DeSantis and the success that he may very well be able to have. So I know it's difficult even for people like myself to take that on. How are DeSantis supporters and DeSantis himself going to be able to convince this very large swath of Trump loyalists that DeSantis is their best bet? So while the president maintains a pretty strong grip on about 25% of the Republican electorate, they tend to be louder voices than they are this huge swarm of voters. But let's be honest here. When people are trying to call people names and saying that we're rhinos, it's like they forgot who Ron DeSantis is. He's an original member of the House Freedom Caucus. He was a person who fought both John Boehner and Paul Ryan, who tried to impeach Lois Lerner out of the IRS when she was targeting conservatives. When it comes to an actual track record of being a real tax-cutting, business-growing, individual liberty-leading, protecting life conservative, you will be hard pressed to find anybody in the 2024 field or within the Republican party who is as conservative as Ron DeSantis. And he has shown by that almost 20 point electoral victory in Florida in 2022, that you can run 
win and implement good conservative policy and the voters will come and support you because when you lead by policy and not by public opinion, you're able to gain success. And that's what we've seen with him. He's fighting ESG and DEI and all of these things in Florida to make sure that this is a state that protects families, that protects children, that protects life, that protects businesses and opportunities. If it comes to a true conservative champion and conservative winner, that's Ron DeSantis. The rhino label really does bother me. Um, There are several rhinos that we have in the Republican Party. I would have never counted Ron DeSantis in that group. I don't think somebody that bucks the national norm and says we're reopening, we're not pushing mandates, somebody that goes and fights Disney to protect children, to protect curriculum and academia, that doesn't strike me as someone who is a rhino or who is establishment. So that to me is very frustrating. Don't lump Ron DeSantis in with some of the others that are, in my opinion, truly rhinos. He's also somebody who has taken action to address the illegal immigration problem, even when it's not necessarily on his doorstep, but he has had to bring it to his doorstep and fight the fight. So that's that's frustrating to me. But I want to move on as well to Others attacking him beyond just Donald Trump, okay? The left and their attacks on Ron DeSantis, they have been ramping up. I don't see them attacking Donald Trump as much anymore. I see that they have turned their cannons largely on Ron DeSantis to mar him. And it's funny to me because Gavin Newsom in particular hasn't said a whole lot about Donald Trump, but he has sure said an awful lot about a governor, Ron DeSantis. Why do you think that is? It's very clear that one, the left and the establishment media want a Donald Trump, Joe Biden head to head again. So they believe if they attack Governor DeSantis, that they're going to fulfill their own wish of the rematch so that they can beat Donald Trump twice and have Joe Biden in the White House again. But they're also really scared of the fact that when Governor DeSantis says he's going to get something done, he does what no other politician does, and he actually delivers. He shows up time and again to protect children, to protect them from indoctrination in curriculum. I was with, uh, I was at an event in South Carolina that the governor was at this last week, and a protester was trying to heckle him about children and education, and the governor said, not on my watch. We will not let you indoctrinate our children. Yeah, the left and Donald Trump and the establishment, they should all be very scared of Ron DeSantis because he does what politicians don't do. He does what he says he's going to do. He says, I'm going to make sure that we protect children in schools. And I do that. I'm going to reopen and I'm not going to listen to Dr. Fauci. And he does that. Yes, it is scary that for once there is a politician who does what he says and he delivers it with success. And yeah, the left, the media, the establishment, they all want to go at him because they know if he gets on the ticket and wins and becomes a Republican nominee, this country is up in for a rude awakening because when you do what you say you're going to do, it actually makes really big change and could set this country on the right path for generations to come. And beyond that fact, I think Ron DeSantis is very popular with women, with mothers. Uh, I think that he is very popular with those who love the policies of Donald Trump, but not necessarily the rhetoric of Donald Trump. Okay, I'm somebody who doesn't really mind Trump's rhetoric. I never really did. But there's a lot of people in the conservative movement that are very turned off by that, that won't vote for Trump again, even though they are registered Republicans. So that has been my concern. Uh, Last thing I want to ask you is, from your perspective, is Ron DeSantis smart to bring up Donald Trump's 
association with Fauci, with the vaccine, with you know certain COVID protocols? Is that something that you believe is going to be effective in reminding the nation about the COVID era that we all maybe want to forget but shouldn't? I think it's hugely effective because it shows a contrast in leadership style that Republicans want to see right now. When we talk about never back down, that grassroots movement and motto comes from Governor DeSantis's actions himself. He was not going to let an unelected D.C. bureaucrat mandate to the state of Florida how they would operate for both schools and businesses and what the priorities would be. And you know what? He stood up and he's going to continue to highlight those differences. The fact that he made sure he brought in contrasting voices, had a full, robust conversation and said, you know what? We're going to get Florida open. We're going to make sure kids are in school. We're going to make sure people are not losing their businesses. I met with a door knocker that we have on our canvassing team who said his business was saved because Ron DeSantis bucked Anthony Fauci and opened Florida. That's the kind of stuff that matters when we talk about having freedom in this country. The government should not be able to lock you in your home. And Governor DeSantis made sure that Florida saw success by fighting back, and he won. That's the difference between him and every other conservative or Republican in the race. He takes on the fight, he doesn't back down from it, and he actually wins. There is no other Republican who has done that, and it's a very important contrast point to have. I think it is, too, and I think it's important to note those things. There's not probably a lot of policy differences between Trump and DeSantis. I think they're very much both America first. But the slight differences that there are, I think, need to be highlighted highlighted because I think the voter needs to know that. So we're in for a wild ride. It's going to be interesting what the polls do. Um, my biggest thing, though, is this, and, and my message to a lot of conservatives, I'm sure you echo this, is don't be focused on a vendetta on revenge for something, focus on how we win the White House and who is going to be the best person to not only do that, but get there and make some real changes. And I hope that we can lead with that for our entire movement. But Aaron, I appreciate you. I appreciate you standing your ground, even though I'm sure you're attacked just as I am. And I hope to talk to you again real soon. Thanks, Tommy. I appreciate it. Still ahead, a federal judge struck down our Tennessee law preventing perverts from gyrating in front of our kids. And you know I have some final thoughts. A federal judge declared our Tennessee law protecting minors from sexually explicit drag shows to be unconstitutional. And surprise, surprise, liberals and perverts everywhere are celebrating. It's time for final thoughts. In a victory for sexualization and grooming of children, a U.S. district judge, sadly a Trump appointee, struck down our Tennessee law preventing and protecting children from being exposed to sexually explicit performances such as drag shows. This judge, Thomas Parker, claims the law to be unconstitutionally vague and substantially overbroad and encourages discriminatory enforcement. Apparently, for him, this law protecting kiddos from being exposed to this is unconstitutional. And that filth is protected under the First Amendment because it's not obscene enough to qualify as an exception. Interesting take there, buddy. You know, I'm a free speech advocate too, but uh, not when it comes to exposing kids to that. That is not art. That is perversion. But stay tuned because this legal battle is far from over and will likely make its way all the way up to the Supreme Court. 
But aside from the legal jargon and ramifications of this, let's have a real discussion here as to why liberals so forcefully, so viciously, so proudly support grown-ass men dressed as women sexy dancing in front of kids. Look at how these people and these outlets are celebrating this judge's ruling. First of all, they are misleading the public, actually more like lying to the public about our Tennessee child protection law in the first place. This state never banned drag. There is not and never was a restriction on adult drag showing in front of other adults. Stop lying to young, impressionable, and quite frankly, intellectually lazy people who don't care enough to actually read the one-page bill. Drag isn't even mentioned in the law. You can't sexy dance in front of kids, period. I don't care if you're gay, you're straight, bisexual, trans, or whatever the hell the other letters and symbols in your acronym stand for. You can shake your tail feather and your family jewels in front of adults as much as your heart desires. You just have to leave kids out of it. No one cared about your drag brunches or your weird art form until you started pushing and pushing so adamantly to do it in front of kids. Why is that so hard to understand? It's downright perplexing to me how many public figures and celebrities think that's a problem. Serious question for Gloria Allred and Kelsey Ballerini and Lizzo and Taylor Swift and all those who are proclaiming to fight for drag queens. Why do you think adult men should be able to sexy dance in front of children? Please tell us. Liberals, man. They told you for two years you didn't have a right to go into a restaurant without a mask and a vax, but now they claim grown men dressed as women have a right to sexy dance in front of kids. Weirdos, sickos, perverts. Those are my final thoughts from Nashville. God bless and take care.